the important thing to, to take away is just the thickness. That's that's what impressed me. When we drilled this hole, I saw the cuttings coming out of the hole. They were oxide, and they just kept going and kept going and kept going. And I'm like, this hole has some potential, and it didn't disappoint. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Bill Powers. Well, about two weeks ago, I was in Nevada, and I had my feet on the top of a mountain. That is part of the Keystone Project that belongs to U.S. Gold Corp., and it was uh, about 9,000 feet. And from the top of this mountain, I could look about 10 or so miles to the north, and I could see a massive Cortez Hills uh, complex, several mines, including Pipeline, that is now owned by uh, Nevada Gold Mines. That's the Newmont Barrick uh, Joint Venture. And uh, I could see a long trend, the Cortez trend, the prospectivity of why U.S. Gold Corp. is exploring on the Cortez trend at this Keystone project, which is about 20 square miles. So it's a big district scale play that the company hopes they'll find multiple gold deposits on. The company just had a press release. They did six reverse circulation drill holes as well as one diamond drill core hole. And I reached out to Ken Coleman. He is the project geologist and asked for an update. So Ken, thanks for coming on Mining Stock Education. And perhaps you could start by giving us some of the key takeaways from this drill program. All right. Thank you, Bill. It's uh, good to be on here again. So uh, key takeaways. Well, uh, first off, this uh, one hole out of our seven-hole program, uh, Key 1905RC, uh, this drill hole has encountered the thickest and most continuous, uh, strongest gold mineralization uh, from any of the drilling we've done so far. And uh, it's not necessarily a total grade, but uh, thickness and, and total amount of metal in drill hole. This is the thickest hole of gold drilled at Keystone. Um, uh, historically ever so it, uh, importantly this is a new target zone uh, that that hole was uh, Nina Skarn so 700 meters uh, defined by soils and, and rocks um, along one of the intrusives there are two major intrusives at Keystone the, the Walti and the uh, uh, Mud Springs so it follows about 700 meters along that and there are several other uh, gold bismuth tellurium anomalies along both of the contacts of both intrusives uh, over two kilometers of distance that's pretty important. Uh, the, the, the prospectivity of that area, it's, it's much larger than, for example, uh, the third figure in our press release. I'm using the analogy of the McCoy Scarn by Battle Mountain. At the, the Nina Scarn has a similar size. Uh, our intrusives are larger, and the anomalism surrounding them are, are correspondingly larger as well, so potentially a much larger system. With the McCoy Scarn, uh, that, that deposit, how big is that deposit? That deposit's been mined out, but it produced 650,000 ounces of gold. And then with that hole, can you give us some intercepts and grades? We had two thick intervals encountered in that hole, key 1905RC, an upper interval of 67.06 meters at 0.194 grams per ton, and a lower interval of 76.2 meters at 0.224 grams per ton. Now, there are higher grade intervals within both of those. Uh, in the upper intercept, we had uh, 9.14 meters of 0.333 grams, starting at 12.2 meters. Uh, another interval, uh, 30.48 meters of 0.273 grams per ton, starting at 36.6 meters. And then moving down to the lower intercept, uh, the 76.2 meters at 0.224 grams per ton, that had two intervals as well. Uh, 25.91 meters of 0.167 grams per ton, starting at 150.9 meters. 
and 25.91 meters at 0.408 grams per ton starting at 182.9 meters. And that particular interval includes 12.2 meters of 0.706 grams per ton, so it's a little bit higher grade. And the nearby mines with the Cortels Hills complex there to the, to the north, what is the average grade that they have produced at over the years? Cortez Hills is a high-grade Carlin-type deposit. Uh, we're looking at a scarn here, so the two don't compare. So let's let's uh, keep that in mind. But the oh man, some of the drill holes they drilled at Cortez Hills were 400 feet over an ounce per ton, and the average grade I'm not certain off the top of my head, well over probably three or four grams per ton. So what should be the expectation for success, where we could be getting into some economic mineralization with this target? Looking at the uh, SCARN targets, the, the important thing to keep in mind exploring SCARNs is the mineralogy is important. The minerals you encounter uh, are indicative of what type of SCARN uh, you have. And so some of them deposit gold more efficiently directly adjacent to an intrusive. And other styles, it's more distal. And we have uh, ideas of both at Keystone. So uh, the ones that typically are closer to intrusives, uh, that's McCoy uh, analogy. Uh, one to two grams over pretty meaningful thicknesses. It's a matter of tonnage. Uh, this would be open pit heap leach stuff. And we did our, our uh, cyanide soluble analysis on this stuff because it's near surface and oxide and uh, the recoveries were great. Uh, the other SCARN type, a, a reduced SCARN, uh, more distal, similar to Copper Canyon Fortitude deposit to the, to the north of McCoy, uh, those tend to be more distal and higher grade. From the intrusive center, so six, seven gram type materials. We have the potential for both, and we have indicators for both, um, especially in an overlap zone between our two intrusives, the Walty and, and the Mud Springs. Uh, those two intrusives are um, generating uh, the footprints, geochemical footprints for both both types. In the McCoy pit, obviously, you said that's six hundred and fifty thousand ounces, but we're shooting for the elephants here in elephant country, where Nevada has several gold deposits, over 20 million ounces. And one of the things the press release indicated was that you believe you've intersected the halo of a large gold system. Can you elaborate at all on that? Yes, I can. And and the point of that is a matter of the thickness and that my commentary about whether we're close or far from an intrusive center. Uh, we're up against the Walty intrusive with this intercept. And with the style of the minerals in the hole, you would expect the grades to increase uh, as you get closer to the intrusive. Well, if you look at our cross-section, the grades do not increase as we get close to the intrusive contact. That means the Walty is probably not the causative intrusive. Uh, potentially, it's the Mud Springs. That's important. That's quite a ways away, uh, about a kilometer away uh, in some, some parts. So uh, that's a long way for a lot of gold to be traveling. Uh, the potential is much larger off to the southeast toward that intrusive. Secondly, this is this is an Eocene magmatic system, and these things are zoned, and the McCoy district is a great one to use. So as you step out from the intrusives and the scar mineralization, uh, one to three kilometers, you get in the realm of Carlin types. And at McCoy, the Carlin types and, and the polymetallics, the original cove deposit, uh, much larger gold endowment, several million ounces. Right now, uh, the Helen zone's over a million ounces, Carlin type system. So... I see that same same geometry, the same types of structures and and potential host rocks at Keystone, specifically looking at uh, Greenstone Gulch as one of our target areas and McCluskey West as very good potential for Carlin types. So we're looking for not just gold scarn, but also the Carlin type deposits in this project. We're looking for 
every deposit type we can possibly have uh, in, the, in this magmatic system, and that includes scarns, polymetallics, and carlin types. The carlin types are the big boys, so uh, we have that potential there. Your press release also mentioned cyanide solubility. Can you elaborate on the significance of this? Yes, the cyanide solubility assays basically take your, your pulps and uh, digest them in cyanide for about an hour and see how much gold can be recovered from from that assay sample. And in this case, in an hour, some of our uh, cyanide solubility results were over 90%. So that means the gold will come out of the rock quickly in a, in a leaching scenario. So the gold that we've encountered in, in this Nina Scarn target is cyanide soluble. That's That bodes well for simple and efficient recovery. And that would deal with metallurgical tests. Of course, we're not there yet, but no. it's just a positive <laughs> indicator early on. It's a positive indicator early on. And, and I anticipated uh, with the thickness and, and continuity of the grades in this hole, someone might ask the question. So we went ahead and ran them. Uh, so we have the ability to answer that question. So then this drill program follows up on last year. Uh, these are even better results than you saw last year, and it basically further helps you vector or target in on your next targets for the next drilling season in 2020? That is correct. That's that's every program. The more holes you put in, the more you learn of the subsurface, and, and you can tie it into what you have at the surface and, and better place your holes for the next year. It's a process. It's a process for everybody. Uh, you can have one hole drilled to make a discovery. It can take 300 holes. It's it's really hard to say, but but yes, this this gave us some much more information. Importantly, the amount of gold that we encountered at uh, Nina Scarn is uh, there's a strong uh, strong system there. That's that's a lot of metal put into the ground in in that little area. It's one hole. So I was with Luke Norman, one of the co-founders of US Gold Corp, when I visited the Keystone Project two weeks ago. And one of the things he said is that you can drill yourself out of out of business, especially on a 20 square mile uh, project that you have to be very strategic so you don't blow the treasury in finding that discovery over the winter. Then you're going to be studying the data. I mean, what are the plans for the next uh, few months? Because I know this project isn't drillable in the winter. Yes, that, that is exactly what will happen. We'll, we'll go through all of these uh, data, uh, some additional surface mapping information from earlier this year I completed. Um, everything we have to date, all of the data, and uh, analyze it and, and try to come up with more targets and see where we need to go. That's that's what you do in wintertime. So it's uh, it's a good thing. Just going out there, dropping a hole, you know, it doesn't help many people. So And Luke's right. Yeah, this big of a property, uh, you have to be careful. And that's what we're doing. This, this drilling we did this year, these are target-specific holes, and, and they didn't disappoint. Uh, the, the ground conditions, the metals we encountered, everything. Any final thoughts you'd like to share about this recent drill program? Uh, last of all, the the important thing to, to take away is just the thickness. I, that's that's what impressed me. When we drilled this hole, I saw the cuttings coming out of the hole. They were oxide, and they just kept going and kept going and kept going. And I'm like, this hole has some potential, and it didn't disappoint. So, uh yeah, for investors, keep that in mind. The thickness is is what matters here. So, and we we'll, we need to move into where the uh, where the better grades are. And with SCARN systems, you can do that based on the mineralogy. So, I think we're in a good standing right now, Bill. U.S. Gold Corp trades on the Nasdaq under the ticker USAU. I'm a shareholder. Website is usgoldcorp.gold. Ken, thanks for coming on Mining Stock Education and giving us an update. I appreciate it. Thank you, Bill, and you're welcome. I'll talk to you next time. 
Thank you for listening to this Mining Stock Education podcast. Please subscribe and share with like-minded investors. Visit us on the web at miningstockeducation.com for more resources on precious metals and natural resource investing. At our website, you can also sign up for our free newsletter for interview transcripts, stock picks, and more. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.